You're listening to Backstage at Lyric, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes at Lyric Opera of Chicago. Backstage at Lyric features in-depth interviews with the singers, conductors, and creative talents at one of the world's great opera companies. For additional podcast interviews, subscribe to our RSS feed or visit us online at lyricopera.org. American soprano Nicole Cabell and Italian tenor Giuseppe Filianotti are backstage at Lyric. You know, the, the very important thing of this opera is the simplicity, the freshness. It starts, um, it's, it's, a good, it's another prime example of Belcanto singing because, you know, you have this, this long line and then um, twice the, the aria switches from, it starts out... Um, Della crudele isotta, il bel tristano ardea, this type of thing. And then, this happens a couple of times. So it's, it's, again, I mean, how could you not love this? Thank you for downloading this episode of Backstage at Lyric. I'm Roger Pines of Lyric Opera of Chicago. We'll be playing an audio transcript of the Lyric Opera Discovery Series session for Donizetti's The Elixir of Love. For those of you who may not be aware of the Discovery series, it's panel discussions featuring singers, conductors, directors, and opera experts. We do one session per opera, and they usually take place a few days prior to the opening of each production. The Discovery series is open to the public, and it's a great way to get up close and personal with our artists. You can check out our website at lyricopera.org for dates, tickets, and complete Discovery series information. We include all of the Discovery Series sessions as part of the Backstage at Lyric podcast. And now, on to the Discovery Series panel devoted to the elixir of love with the production's leading lady and leading man, Nicole Cabell and Giuseppe Filianotti. They bring wonderful sensitivity, humor, and enthusiasm to the discussion of elixir, one of the most delightful comedies in the entire operatic repertoire. I'm your host for this session, and I hope you enjoy it. Elixir is a piece that the vast majority of opera goers consider cute and sweet and fun without realizing how much truth and how much humanity and emotional content, emotional substance there is in this piece. I know that the special memorable qualities of the Elixir of Love will be made clear by our leading man and leading lady of our first series of performances of Elixir, which begin on Saturday night. Now, to take our leading lady first, American soprano Nicole Cabell is one of the most successful alumni of Lyric's Ryan Opera Center, and she is returning to the company as Adina, a role that she has sung at the Metropolitan Opera and in France at the Opéra de Montpellier. Her six other Lyric roles include most recently Leila in The Pearl Fishers and Musetta in La Boheme. After winning the 2005 BBC Cardiff Singer of the World competition, she rapidly ascended to prominence internationally. She's been heard not only at the Met, but at Covent Garden, the Deutsche Oper Berlin, the major companies of Washington and Cincinnati, the Edinburgh Festival with the CSO and with many other major orchestras worldwide. Her Musetta was recently seen in a feature film of La Boheme that was telecast on PBS. She's recorded Clara and Porgy and Bess and a much acclaimed solo debut disc conducted by Sir Andrew Davis. 
Italian tenor Giuseppe Filianotti is making his lyric debut as Nemorino in Elixir. After studying at the Academy of La Scala, he quickly established himself in all the most important Italian houses, including La Scala itself, as well as at the Rossini Festival in Pesaro. He's previously sung Nemorino with many major companies, including the Met and most recently Los Angeles Opera, Covent Garden, and then the premiere of a new production in Munich. Also at the Met, he starred in Lucia, Rigoletto, and La Rondine. He's won successes with the major companies of Vienna, Berlin, Hamburg, and Madrid, among many others. He's a past winner of the most prestigious prize a singer can win in Italy, and that is the Franco Abbiati Italian Critics Prize as Best Singer of the Year. His growing discography and videography include operas of Cherubini, Donizetti, Rossini, Verdi, and Boito. So please join me in welcoming to the Discovery Series Nicole Cabell and Giuseppe Filianotti. Hello. <laughs> it's okay? Yes, hello. Uh, just want to make sure that the mic is fine. Okay, it's fine. The story, in brief. Nemorino is a simple country lad, and he loves Adina, who's a wealthy landowner. His rival for her is Belcore, who's a sergeant in a local regiment. Dulcamara, who is a quack doctor, arrives in the village selling an elixir of love. Nemorino buys a bottle, not knowing that it's actually Bordeaux wine. When he drinks it, the resulting tipsiness and brashness he displays succeed in alienating Adina. So she decides to marry Belcore that evening, but then gets cold feet, leaving him perplexed. Nemorino, who has no money left, is persuaded by Belcore to enlist in the army, which will give him 20 scudi, and he promptly spends that money on more elixir. Lo the local girls shower him with attention, which he attributes to the elixir. They are responding to the rumor that his rich uncle has died, leaving with him with an inheritance. Well, Adina buys back his army commission and presents it to him, finally revealing her true feelings for him. Belcori declares that there are plenty of other fish in the sea, and Dulcamara sells more elixir before bidding the village farewell. Is that all right? That was that perfect. Right? That was all right. Oh, good. <laughs> okay. So I think this is an opera that puts the audience in an extremely good mood at the end. Why do you think that is? Me or her? Either one of you. <laughs> you want to start? Oh, sure. Um, well, I, I don't really think there's any moment in the opera that is taken too seriously. Uh, even the famous Una Fortiva Lagrima, it has such a sort of heavy melody, but um, of course it's still rather lighthearted, you know, because it's, it's a positive um, aria and everything about this opera has an air of positivity or comedy. Um, also, of course, the, the, the melodies in um, all of the numbers are kind of toe-tappers. So <laughs> I think people come away um, just feeling that, that buoyancy of having been stimulated by the music. And, um, and of course, it's a happy ending. So I, I would say I would give it away, but I think you've probably seen it, or <laughs> you will. And, and uh, it's, it's all around a sort of a feel-good movie. You could compare it to a romantic comedy, I guess. <laughs> Giuseppe, do you yeah. find yourself in a great mood when you're doing an Elysir production? Sure, because, you know, if you sing uh, uh, Lucia, you're very sad. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to, to be very, very um, uh, a, a, a hero, like a hero. So you have, 
Nemorino is so so easy. Um, it's, it's so easy to have a, a good mood because you know the the very important thing of this opera is the simplicity, the freshness, and I think it, this is the ingredient very important. And uh, li people, audience like it because you see like two 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 children, Nemorino and Adina. That's like the first love we have in our in our life so i'm trying to conquer her but she loves me but she doesn't want to show me this and so at at, at the end you are how will finish this story it's like a reality and <laughs> so, not a reality where in this piece do you most strongly feel something that we could call the essence of bel canto where does that sort of speak to you the most ah yes because you know for the italian bel canto donizetti with bellini and uh, rossini are the most uh, representative uh, composers bel canto is um we can it's it's not easy to answer, to to give uh, an answer to this question is like you have the freedom to use your voice you have to be able to uh, make all the uh, forte and piano that uh, the the uh, composer require you and you have to be to have a very uh, agile voice and with top notes and uh, uh, everything, so it's not easy. And also a light voice. This is the difference between uh, difference between bel canto and after Verdi, where you need much powerful voice. So um, is uh, we have a lot of m of uh, uh, moments we can find it. For example, the first one is. Uh, uh, the cavatina of, tenor, of the tenor after the aria of uh, every piece, uh, una furtiva lagrima, and uh, so uh, and also you have to to speech very fast. This is another typ typical uh, bel canto uh, style. So you you have to to practice and uh, to to support with the breath. This is the. I think Nicole, where do you most strongly feel this the the bel canto element well it's I think Giuseppe really was uh, it really hit the nail on the head about all the elements that make this music particularly um, difficult but also um, really thrilling as an audience member to listen to to sort of <laughs> listen to these singers kind of jump through hoop after hoop after hoop and for me i I I've spent many years trying to figure out what it was about this role that made it more difficult for me to sing than other roles. Um, because it's not a lot higher. It's not that there are that many more um, dramatic moments that it's hard to tap into. It's it's like Giuseppe said, there's some moments where you just have to sort of have that patter. And for me, <laughs> that's a little bit more difficult because I'm not a native Italian She's speaker. wonderful. Isn't that true? <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, so that along with, yes, the agility, um, which is it's challenging, for, not even so much the fast notes, but there's, there's little moments all throughout where you just have to have like a little filigree of, of um, uh, what, would you, what would you call these notes? The, um, uh, yeah, the yeah. Yes, so those are, for some reason, those are pretty difficult for me. But, um, 
it's 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 a combination of all of that, and 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 also scaling the voice down so that you can um, really ex um, express the the agility correctly without over singing. And my tendency is to to want to put more voice into everything. So this it's a constant challenge, um, particularly uh, in the cabaletta of my aria at the very end. This is a bit challenging. Um, the placement of it in the opera is a little nuts because it requires so much and it's at the very end of the opera after you've sung for a couple hours. So that's definitely a challenge and um, really that I would say it's every moment is a good representation of bel canto um, for various reasons. Now Giuseppe, you started your career in bel canto repertoire, mm -hmm. but Nicole, you had done a number of roles before you got around to your first bel canto roles. So did both of you feel that bel canto repertoire was your sort of vocal mm -hmm. destiny, or did you, how did you come to it? Yeah, my, f <laughs> my first opera, my, de uh, abs uh, my first debut was with uh, Donizetti, and uh, a wonderful opera, Dom Sebastien, very difficult. Uh, I did uh, this opera two times, and after I said, no more. <laughs> 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 and uh, uh, so, yes, I understand from the beginning, but I think one, it's, it's important. Everything, every opera, the modern, the old one, from Monteverdi to... Uh, to Strauss has to be like bel canto. What means you uh, also verismo? Bel canto means beautiful sound. Then this is the, the base for all. And the 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 problem is that for this typical opera for Donizetti, you need a very special supporting of the breath. Legato is the most important thing. So every every singer has to be has, has to sing, I think, bel canto. Because if it's not possible to sing verismo if you have not on your back bel canto experience, it's not possible because verismo comes from bel canto. And first you have to sing it to practice with Mozart. That was before bel canto. So you have to know if, if like, ah, I am a teacher, so I know about the modern history, but I, I don't know anything about the old history, so the medieval and so on. And uh, so the base of our best tradition is bel canto. So everyone has to start. I start with this. I was lucky. And, I f and after I put something more uh, in the repertoire, like a French repertoire, Verdi, and so on. But I come back every time, because this is the health healthy for our voice. So to be able to come back, I remember Alfredo Kraus, my teacher, told me, when you are no more able to come back, something is changing in bed. <laughs> <laughs> so Nicole, Dina was your first bel canto role, right? Yes, yeah. and I actually haven't sung and any other, I have more coming up, but I haven't sung any other uh, bel canto roles that I can think of besides Adina at this point. Um, for me, my first love is, well, I have to say, it took a while when I was young to really appreciate Mozart, but that this, this composer is 
very well suited to my voice, Mozart, and French repertoire. So um, again, it's a little bit discombobulating to, to, to sing the bel canto music, just because it's not as natural for me. But at the same time, Giuseppe's right. I mean, it's it's very much a part of um, your repertoire as a singer. You you really must master these things, and um, I'm I'm learning to really um, find ways to bring what feels natural in those other roles to this bel canto repertoire as well. So I'm looking forward to singing other uh, bel canto roles, of which I have more, and and really growing into this genre. I think. Nemorino is the most lovable tenor character in the operatic repertoire. And so I wanted to ask Giuseppe, what are the qualities of Nemorino that make him so sort of instantly appealing to people? Uh, for me, it's easy. If you, if, you, if you have a baby, or you like me, or you, you, you smile every time because he's so, so nice that you say, oh, he doesn't know anything about life. <laughs> but <laughs> about to be, has to be smart. And, but he has something inside that is very deep and is the idea, very clear idea of love. And in the first duet with Adina, he is more maturo, uh, mature. Mature. mature than her. Say, you want to change lovers. It's impossible. The first love is the real love you never can forget. And so uh, there are many, many points. So you, you laugh a lot because you laugh like a, a child is playing and he believes every, everything because he trusts to people. He's not a, a, a boy of the city. He's a boy, he's a peasant. He's very uh, simple and fresh young boy. This is the, the quality of I think of this character. And at the end you and at the end you can say, okay, uh is he is not stupid. Because it's not possible to sing uh, Adina Credimi and to sing Una Furtiva Lagrima and Chiedi a, a, a Laura, Chiedi a Rio because it's so poetic. And so we can say that for example if we go uh, in the past, or right now, in the in, in in not in the town, but in the in landscape, you say uh, Campania, the country, the country. You can see that many many wise people, much more than us. Maybe we know much more about television, about radio, about uh, uh, computer, but the real feelings are the, what uh, are with the nature. With, with us, with the simplicity, with the freshness, this is the quality of Nemorino, and maybe, and maybe he is uh, he's, he's like to show how Nemorino is not he has no culture like Adina, but he has a something that will at the end he has all the reasons in the opera. He wins. This is important. <laughs> no. Among soprano roles, on the other hand, Adina does not have the reputation of being the most lovable lady, at least not until the end of the opera. So why is that? Well, um, Vince, our director, we, we talk about this a lot, about how um, if you just sort of don't look for the subtext behind the story about 
the history between Nemorino and Adina. Um, and you just look at it on the surface. Yeah, I mean, she starts off as kind of a cold person that dismisses Nemorino, that doesn't take him seriously, that laughs at him and that tricks him. Um, and if you just play it like this, that's clearly why she has that reputation. But um, the way we are doing it and the way um, I think I agree with this is that I like to think of it as though Nemorino and Idina are childhood friends. Um, they, they have a history of, of course, unromantic friendship, um, and that they're at the point now where, like, how many times has this happened to us where a friend becomes more than a friend or one of the friends wants to become more than a friend? And the thing is, she is definitely a more cultured character. She's probably been to these cities, surrounding cities. She knows how to read, which is something that the other peasants don't know how to do. And they admire her for these sort of simple things we think of. But in, from where they are, these are very um, respected traits that she's acquired. And um, so she's sort of... It's funny that Giuseppe says that he is more mature and yet he's simpler because that's absolutely true. Um, he's naive, whereas she is educated, but he knows his heart, whereas she, she doesn't, honestly. She, she loves him, but she doesn't, she doesn't know how to, to get him to express it, and so she's testing him constantly. Um, prove to me, tell me, show, show it, give me some proof. And he's over and over and over trying to, and it's just not enough for her uh, until a very pivotal moment, of course, in Act mm -hmm. Two. But um, anyway, the whole idea is to play her um, much more kind and just sort of, oh, you know, a little less um, uh, challenging to, or, and, and insulting of, of this character, of Nemorino. So where's the first place, then, where her heart starts to come through? And you get beyond the whole flirty I've, side, and you get to where the substance is. I find when he's singing Adina Credimi, this is um, towards the end of Act One, and he, they've already sung a couple du duets, the first of which he, he tries to tell her what it is that he's feeling for her, and she's just thinking, oh, how many men have told me this? You know? And she, she, doesn't, she doesn't believe him because she's heard it all before. She doesn't know that he's being genuine, but she's heard it all before from players. <laughs> and at this part, Adina Kredimi, um, he's, he's really thinking that, you know, this might be the end. I might not get her. This, well, you better explain to everyone what exactly is going on in Adina Kredimi that inspires him to sing that to her. Mm -hmm. Well, she's basically said that she's going to marry Belcore, the, the guard. That night. That night, because <laughs> she keeps saying, okay, I'm going to marry him at some point to, to try to get him to again, give her some proof that um, he doesn't want this to happen, that he loves her. And he keeps, for various reasons, um, it would take all night to explain, but he, he's, he's laughing at the, the notion. She says, six days, I'm going to marry him in six days. And he's laughing because he's going to drink the elixir tonight. And therefore, she'll fall in love with him tomorrow. So six days, no big deal. And so she doesn't understand this. So why is he laughing? Okay, fine. I'm going to marry him this evening. And, well... That's, that's, too, that's too soon. The, 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 there's no time for the elixir to take effect. So he, he sings this amazing um, arietta, I guess. Um, it's the beginning of, of sort of a quartet with chorus, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah. but, I mean, it's, it's just one of the most beautiful parts of the opera, and what he's saying is, 
a lot more heartfelt and a lot more desperate than this this first duet where he's just saying, you know, giving her poetic uh, love, love reasons um, that he loves her in a very sort of generic po poetic fashion. And she starts starts to sort of turn around at this point, but it's just a beginning. It's just a little twinge because she says, you know what? That's not good enough. That's still not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> Women are difficult. Uh, Giuseppe, what do, you, what do you say at that moment to her to try to convince her not to marry uh, Bill Corey mm -hmm. that night? Words are very, very simple, like the melody. Um, for this reason, this is the power thing of this opera and of Donizetti. Very easy line. And Adina, credi me, you can marry him. He's not for you. Um, you, uh, you will repent. Believe me, believe me. He's not the man for you. You need another man, me. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> He, he, he didn't say this. But, you know, uh, I, I think Adina, Adina is like um, so many, many women. We, uh, we dear men, uh, 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 we, we can see on the street. They, they want to be conquered. They want to be sure, sure you love you love her so and so till the end i want to be very sure you love me so try show me something and uh, they need a lot of proof yeah she, she a needs a lot of proof because a again proof. she's been yeah. to the city she's had all these admirers and they have they're all, all their little tricks and so she she doesn't realize even though she's good friends with him and stuff she doesn't realize that you know what he is different mm -hmm. yeah until again more clear proof at the end <laughs> now you both start out in this opera with uh, an aria. Giuseppe, what, the first thing out of your mouth is your first aria, Quanto e Bella, with no sort of preludio or anything. You just, you're singing Stop. it, first thing. Is it difficult to begin a role mm -hmm. like that? Uh, yes, it, like uh, for Radames uh, uh, to sing uh, Celeste Aida. Oh, thank you. From <laughs> at the beginning of the opera, you have to, to warm up a little bit to stay on the stage. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially this aria is on the passaggio because the difficult of Belcanto and the Donizetti is that he likes to put your voice always in the, in the middle 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 so you have to you have to to start with an aria and for this reason it is called cavatina cavatina means the beginning so start if you you like this job do it <laughs> from the beginning what do you want to give the audience as their very first impression of him which that aria allows ah, you to do freshness and also we do we will do something of um, staging very particular i try to give her a flower and so it's very simple, no? I, I try, but I, I, I can't do it. And so at the end I say, oh, she's so beautiful for me. I am so stupid. I, I am not able to, to, to read, um, uh, to read. And I'm, I'm, I'm so, uh, so simple, so naive for, you, for her. So maybe who can teach me? Who can, how can I learn to, to be loved? And people came, Dul Kamala will come to, to, to show me how. So. so, Nicole, when you start off, you sing the story of Tristan and Isolde. Um, 
what is going on in her mind as she's reading aloud this story of Tristan and Isolde and the love potion? Well, this is a great uh, way to begin this opera for me because this is not too high, not too low, not too fast. Everything, <laughs> it's a little bit of a massage and uh, the voice into singing. So I, I really like this intro into um, my role. And she's basically... Um, reading the story of Tristan and how he gets a love potion from a doctor to make uh, um, you know, uh, uh, Isolde fall in love with him. And she thinks it's ridiculous. And she's <laughs> being very melodramatic as she reads it and, and eventually laughs and says, you know, if I, if I knew a way to get this, this potion or if I knew the recipe, that would be great. But, you know, she's basically saying it doesn't exist. This is folly. Um, so, of course, this sets the scene <laughs> for the elixir of love. And it starts out very long line legato, and then suddenly mm -hmm. at the end you have some fancy stuff yeah. to say. <laughs> well, the, it starts, um, it's, it's, a good, it's another prime example of Belcanto, Belcanto singing because, you know, you have this, this long line, and then um, twice the, the aria switches from, it starts out... Um, Della crudele isotta, il bel tristano ardea, this type of thing. And then, this happens a couple of times. So it's, it's, again, I mean, how could you not love this? It's, it's definitely toe-tapping. <laughs> <It's fun>. <laughs> <laughs> After Belcore has his aria, the two of you are alone on the stage, and you have the first of your three duets. And that first duet, Una parola odina, gives an awful lot of information about them, about their relationship, about the way they handle each other. And I think there's so many subtle things that can be done with it. So what exactly does it show uh, in the way she regards him and vice versa? Me? Oh, Either okay. one of you. Um, <laughs> um, well, he's asking her, why is it that you can't settle down and... and just have one lover, namely Nemorino. And she's describing nature. She says, well, well this, this, ask the, the breeze why it doesn't settle on this flower or this lily or on this uh, plain. And, and it's because it's in its nature to wander. And she's basically, I think she doesn't know anything about love at this point. So she's, she's, She's kind of pretending like she does. She's being extremely patronizing throughout this whole thing. And, um, and the, the great sort of shift comes when she has to figure out a way again to, tell, to try to convince him what she's saying. She says, well, okay, fine. Uh, think about it this way. Uh, you know, in order to be happy, you have to switch lovers every day, like I do. <laughs> She's never even had a lot of lovers. <laughs> this is just little boys she fancies here and there, but she, it's just, I think it's hilarious because she, she acts like she knows so much and she, she's very um, condescending and, and to him, but not in an evil way, just in that sort of, you know, kids think they know everything type of way, you know? <laughs> this well, is her. at the beginning, doesn't she say to him, you know, you really are quite a nice person, but you, you know, you better go take care of your uncle who was ill or this kind yes, of thing. Yes, and... How, is she condescending when she says that? No, but she... Not condescending, but she's sort of... She thinks she, he's being foolish, and so she's trying to say, look, you know, this is, again, this is, I really think this is all a test. You know, she's saying, well, why don't you go and you need to take care of your uncle, right? Right? Okay, well, you know, uh, you know, okay, you know, I love you. I'm not going to go to the village. Okay, well, fine. Um, 
you look, look, you're a nice, you're a nice boy, go find somebody else, because, um, you know, you don't, you don't know how to inspire love in me, I'm a very capricious, I, I know, but this is, this is not any, this is not um, mean, the way she's saying this, it's all, you don't know, you don't know how to inspire love in me, do you? <laughs> Giuseppe, when she, she sings to, to you, ask the breeze why it does what it does. And you respond with the same melody. So what words do you respond to her with after she tells you about the fickle being fickle as the breeze? <laughs> it's nice because I think she, she, she thinks to be more... Uh, intelligent, <laughs> smart than Nemorino. And so when Nemorino say, why you have to change lovers? And she said, oh, oh, okay, I'm thinking. Okay, I will tell you, like a baby, the story of the, uh, of the nature, to, so you can understand <laughs> my story. At the end, Nemorino said, now I will give you the answer with the same story, but much more deeper than yours. And so I'm, I'm, think, I'm uh, uh, telling you about the story of a river that has to go to the, to the sea. It's obliged to do this. There is no meaning. There is no reason. It's, it's the nature to go. And so my nature is to love you. This is simple. And so is the first strong, uh, deep feeling of Nemorino. And uh, it's very, very easy, very simple, like uh, this beautiful nature image. Uh, and so this is, this is the life. I feel something inside. I can describe it. It's very difficult. I am not a poet. But I can say you, believe me, I love you. And this is nature that my nature is to love you. So stop. But she still thinks it's poetry. She still thinks it's you know she doesn't yeah. she doesn't see his honesty behind that. So she reads it as him being poetic, whereas it is simple for him and it's it's pure and beautiful. But she's a little she's really the one that's a little bit slow. At this point, if you could pass your cards, if any of you have questions, if you could pass them to the center, and Jesse will come by and pick them up. That would be great, and we will continue our discussion. Um, the next big duet is for Nemorino and Dr. Dul Kamara in act, and then in act two, Adina gets a duet with Dul Kamara, and the two of you per, are performing at Lyric opposite the Dul Kamara of a very great artist, Alessandro Corbelli, who is stylistically um, a paragon uh, in this kind of repertoire that really doesn't exist otherwise these days. Um, so as you work with him, as you rehearse, what are the qualities and what he brings to this kind of repertoire that you most admire and you think are most exceptional and that sort of set him apart from others who sing this repertoire? For me, uh, this is the third time I, I work with him and um, it, it's enough to, to look at him in his eyes. He, has the, he, has, he is the best... Uh, uh, I, I don't want to tell about his voice, you know, you listen, you understand. But the measure of his acting, uh, this is important, because the difficulty of these operas, uh, comic and the middle comic and lyric opera, is to be too much comic. He has the right measure to do 
easy and uh, nice, but not too much, never too much. And uh, uh, so um, it's an honor for me to, to stay in the stage with him and uh, to have this experience. Nicole, is this the first time you and Alessandro have worked together? Yes, and, and that's exactly what I was going to say about it being easy. I mean, you look at him and, and it just looks like he rolls out of bed and he's able to do this amazing thing. Yeah. The, again, the voice is very natural. It's very yeah. even from top to bottom. And so you, you never worry for a second that he's not going to be able to make it through. It's, it's a beautiful voice, but... Um, as an American, I really love his approach to the Italian language. Of course, he's Italian. My, my entire cast is, has beautiful Italian by the fact that they're Italians. And he's no exception. I just love listening to how he expresses the words and, um, and how, how easy it is for him. It's almost like he just lives the role, and, and there's no trying. There's no effort there. And I think that just comes from his great wealth of experience. And interestingly... When we did L'Elysir uh, d'Amore in the early 1990s, he was singing the role of Belcore. That's what he said, yeah. Yes, it's a wonderful <laughs> transition. Now, the next big duet for the two of you uh, is one where Adina sees a side of Nemorino that she doesn't really like. <laughs> and uh, it's after he's drunk the elixir. So what's going on? Well, she's <laughs> he's acting crazy. He's he's acting drunk, but um, he doesn't know, of course, that he's drunk. He thinks he's uh, love drunk, and um, she she's thinking, who is this crazy person making all this noise? Oh my goodness, it's Nemorino. Well, what's what's the deal with this? Why is he acting like this? So she comes down to find out, and he's ignoring her. And this is the first time he's ever ignored her. <laughs> and so she's thinking, what is going on here? And she's going through different. Um, scenarios in her head thinking oh you know what is he he's he's playing indifferent why is he doing this why is he doing this okay well I'm going to test him I'm going to try to look pretty and he's still not looking at me well she gets frustrated and she says you know he's trying to to get rid of the chains that bind him to me but he'll find out that they're too heavy so she <laughs> she's she's enjoying the fact that he's obsessed with her of course because she secretly really loves him too and so it's frustrating for her to see that 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 weakening of that bond. And, and so she's trying to convince herself a little bit by the end of this that what she's saying about him not, you know, getting rid of this uh, um, or about him keeping the weight that, you know, uh, or the, the chain, rather, that binds him to her is by the end of this, this duet, I think it's kind of her telling herself this too because he continues to act indifferent and making fun of her. And um, she, no, she doesn't like this. And it's... It's a mystery to her. She, she hasn't seen it before, but it's not like, oh, goodness, who has this person become? It's, it's, she's trying to figure it out. Giuseppe, right after your big duet with Dulcamara and then before Adina comes back on stage, you're alone on stage and you're getting more and more intoxicated by the minute. Uh, so what sorts of things, you've done a lot of Elixir productions, what sort of things have stage directors asked you to do in that scene, I've seen I've seen Marinos who like do acrobatics and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> terrible, terrible. <laughs> because everyone uh, think, oh, it's an easy opera, it's a comic opera. No, today they want to kill you, the, the stage director. <laughs> and so I did everything. 
so uh, uh, dancing, uh, jumping, and go uh, uh, through steps, down, up, uh, to be crazy. And because today people want to laugh, <laughs> and you have to, to do it. And so um, I did two, two um, production of Laurent Pays one in London and the other one in Paris, that at the end of the opera I was so tired. Not for singing, but for the staging. <laughs> and I say, oh, I don't want to do again this production. Because, you know, um, I think it's, it's, you, you need little things to make love. You don't need to do a lot. But today, today uh, it's so the new the new generation is ah oh, you have to do to do like to like to do a film and not to do an opera. So I I, I did a lot of things um, like in the last <laughs> new production we were going to talk about. Ah that. yeah okay <laughs> and. Uh, so, but as far as the drunk scene, uh, are you just all over the stage running around generally? Yeah, yeah, usually, usually in this way. Um, and uh, you know, we, we our Latin say in vino veritas. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he 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 will be drunk, but he will say everything about her and everything about everyone so I say okay now i i try to be to be not to give interest to you and this is the, the most easy way to conquer a woman if you go oh i love you i love you, I love you. Oh, if you i don't love you okay why you don't love me <laughs> sure that's not possible everyone has to love me and so, the, the, that was it's, it's lucky Nemorino to be drunk because uh, <laughs> there's a big turning point in Act Two of this opera. At least I view it that way, and that's when Adina is on stage watching all these girls pursue Nemorino. What is she feeling there, and what does she do about it? <laughs> Confusion, of course. Um, she tries to get his attention and tries to talk to him to get him out of this this. Uh, group of women and and tries to um, explain to him why um, you know he shouldn't be going uh, doing business with Belcore and um, he brushes her off and what she says afterwards is exactly that confusion how fast this has changed how can it be that the one that I that that I have been so mean to um, is somebody that the world is forcing me to love now. Um, it's just <clears throat> confusion and then sadness because she realizes this is the second time he's been bratty to her. <laughs> and she, she's seeing like, wow, maybe this is something that's permanent. Maybe he really isn't into me anymore. Um, and so she cries a single tear. <laughs> but then what does she do? things sort of turn around, right? Well, yeah. Well, then she talks to the doctor. <laughs> she talks to the doctor who tries to sell her on the potion, explaining to her that this is what made all these women fall for Nemorino. And she says, oh my gosh, really? And he says, this is the potion of Isolde. She said, oh my God, of course, that's the story I was telling in the beginning. So it is true. Oh my gosh. Well, well, okay. Um, she has this realization that you know, 
I don't need a potion because he tries to sell it to me. I don't need a potion, actually. Um, I have the potion in my face, in my eyes, in a smile, in a caress, and I'm going to get him back. <laughs> so she's on a mission at this point. Um, and when she does that, when she says those things, she says them to what I think is the most totally enjoyable music in the whole piece. <laughs> it's but it's not easy to fun. sing. No, it's, it's tricky music because... It's all staccato, which is sung very um, quick and sharp. Um, oh, I'll explain it. Instead of una tene rocchiatina, it's una tene rocchiatina. It's this crazy music, and, it, and it's very high, and there's many words, and so it's very challenging. But usually I find that with something that's challenging like that, it, it, the result can be that much more invigorating uh, for you as a singer and also the audience. So um, yeah, it's challenging. I think the, the most challenging part about that duet is that you only have three minutes to recover during his aria before you sing Prendi in this crazy cavaletta. So that's kind of one of these, you know. <laughs> so after this very lively duet comes a total contrast when Giuseppe, you come out and you sing your aria, the aria that every... Lelis d'Amore audience looks forward to Una Furtiva Lagrima. It's such a favorite all over the world. And I don't think we ever stop to say, what is it about this aria that has made it for so many, for, for more than 150 years, such an incredible favorite? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, seems an easy aria is not an easy aria because if you are a tenor you know that it's not an easy aria because you you sang a lot before and at the end you have to sing this aria always in passaggio and so it's not easy for this and uh, it's not easy because you have to to maintain that breath I told you this about bel canto, and you are very tired, and you have to sing well <laughs> because everyone, everyone wants to to listen a beautiful performance of this aria. Um, it's funny story of this aria. Many, many, many people uh, say, "Oh, it's so strange. This aria is so serious for Nemorino." We want maybe it it it's, it was possible to have another aria. It, it it was a mistake from Donizetti to to write this, but this, the real story, if you want to know it, is that this piece was written before the opera by Donizetti, and at the end he said, "I want to put this inside and to give it to Nemorino," and so this is an aria a favorite aria from Donizetti written before the opera and in, and after he, he put it inside this opera. So it's a little bit strange because the melody is a sad. The words are happy. So it's a big contrast. And this is how will born the masterpiece in our heart, in our art. Uh, the masterpiece is, is because at the at the end we have an aria that is full of a contrast and is like a flower uh, because you have to be so smart not to be too sad singing that but to be uh, uh, because the words are she loves me I see. She she was crying. She was she was she. So it's it's easy. Oh, she loved. But 
there is a sadness inside and this is the music under the words and uh, in that particular point um, give to the character something of very deep very very deep so that point with Adina Credimi and uh, dei miei sospiri non si stanchi per ora are the most representative uh, and beautiful phrase of bel canto opera and that you can you can you can say okay this is master, a masterpiece and uh, so for this reason in this simplicity in this melody in this uh, um, in this uh, mm, you know in this very easy way to repeat the melody and uh, you know if you listen something of very easy you can remember it and this is the most easy and the most uh, uh, way to make a, a masterpiece and for this reason i think this aria is one of this now you had mentioned just before a new production that you did just a couple of months ago of l'elisir d'amore which in the pictures that I looked at, it looked like it was sort of taking place in outer space or maybe not quite. But in any case, I did want to ask you about it because it seemed very unusual to say the least. Okay. I will, I, I will tell a, li a little bit about that production that I love, really, because when I do something, I believe in, in this. And it was a big, big success. Big. Audience was crazy and was... Uh, the uh, superintendent comes to me and says, this is the first, first big success in these years of the worst production in Munich. Um, th the story, the setting was a little bit strange and also audience said, oh, what is it? And Elisir d'Amore is not possible. Where we are? In, on the moon? In the space? It all is strange with uh, something. All is so, but at the end, it's funny because was funny the uh, regia, very the stage funny. direction. Yes, very very funny, and uh, we create both uh, singers and uh, stage director um, a very particular Nemorino, like Buster Keaton, like uh, <laughs> Charlie Chaplin. So, and uh, every uh, um, he was so 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 nice and so <laughs> on the stage that uh, make me laughing too. <laughs> and uh, so, why was Nemorino on stage in his underwear? Ah, uh, so the story, another story. So, but you have to 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 speak about after. As I did my una furtiva lagrima, that was worse than to stay on underpants. But the problem uh, when all the women knows about oh Nemorino is so famous, oh he's so rich, so rich now, so rich now. All around me, uh, I am hidden. They take off every every everything, and so I remain with underpants. Oh and, boy! And 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 during this, I I'm drunk. No, you know, and so I go around Adina dancing, like to be, I believe to be um, a pop star. 
<laughs> and the Elysir was, uh, I don't know in English how you get, um, extintore, extinguished for the fire, for the fire. Uh, yeah, yeah, fire extinguisher. Yeah. So was it something uh, big in this way? And there was water, really. So I was, and all the women in the chorus was wet because it was very crazy, crazy and funny and very funny. So it's it's can can be a strange image of Nemorino, but all had a reason in that production, and uh, so um, was very funny. But the the fun, the very funny story is after that Nemorino in this production has um, um, a light a light. Uh, Palo della Luce, you say. A spotlight? Yes, it's parking out oh, on the street. A light bulb. A light bulb. He goes up, very up, and from the top of, of the staging, I had to sing Una Furtiva Lagrima. Oh, no. <laughs> and, but I said, oh, it's too crazy. Oh, I can do that. And he told me, the stage director, believe me, will be very poetic. And all all around was black, and with the light on me, and uh, every people say, "Oh, it's it's wonderful." So I, I like that production really, <laughs> because I am a little bit crazy. So. Um, earlier, Giuseppe had talked about a, an unknown or comparatively unknown uh, Donizetti opera that began his career, Don Sebastian. And Nicole, you had something of the same experience in that you uh, performed in concert and recorded a very little-known Donizetti opera called... Imelda di Lambertazzi. Well, Imelda. Was, Imelda Marcus. Yes. Was <laughs> it no a piece after you learned it? Did you say, where has this music been all my life? Or No, actually, it was good for me to record it, but it's not necessarily a role I would sing on stage. I, I felt that it was a bit... Um, darker and it required more of a spinto voice than my voice. Um, however, on recordings, you know, you can really you can really give more because it's not the kind of thing that you know you need the endurance for, um, and it's also very short. So I don't think it's the kind of thing that it's only maybe ninety minutes. Was she the kind of character that you've played in other operas, or was she wildly different from most people that you play? She was. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that she was, she was sort of like a Juliet, a more mature version of Juliet, but that maturity, she, she would have been much more mature than me. Um, and I'm not talking about so much in age, but just in, in experience. I mean, this woman had a hard life, and <laughs> the, I'll just give you the end because it would take all night to explain the plot, but at the end, she, she realizes her lover has been stabbed <laughs> with a poison sword, and so she runs after him and sucks out the poison out of his wound and then dies Whoa. from that poison. And it was the first opera that had a, f a female death on stage. Yeah. So, however, it was not really mounted, so that kind of, you know, negates the purpose of that. But um, it, it had its significance, and it had some really interesting music. But I, I, I don't think it's the kind of thing that would be extraordinarily successful staged, if anything, just because of its length unless you sort of double-build it. But, um, yeah, it was a very str very strong, um, driven character, and the voice needed to be the same. So, uh, again, good for recording. If you're curious, it's interesting, the same recording company, Operara, recorded the Imelda de Lambertazzi with Nicole and the Don Sebastien with Giuseppe. So if you're curious, 
go to Amazon.com and order <laughs> those recordings. Now, before I ask a couple, pardon me. Um, the one that Giuseppe sang is Don Sebastien. That is the Don best Sebastian. opera of Donizetti. <laughs> yes. It's true. It's true. Never one yeah. noticed. Um, but it's the, the last, sorry, the last one opera written by Donizetti and beautiful, really difficult to sing. And then the one that uh, Nicole sang is Imelda de Lambertazzi. So if you just go Donizetti colon Imelda and do a search, you'll find it. That's the best opera Donizetti ever. No, it's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She's like Dulcamara now. (laughs) I have one more question before I look at some of the audience questions. Um, I wanted to ask both of you. You have had a particular mentor who has had a special association with bel canto repertoire. Mm-hmm. Nicole, you began working with Gianna Rolandi when you came to the Upper Center. And Giuseppe, you mentioned that, that your teacher was Alfredo Krauss. So what did those two artists give to you vocally and stylistically that has helped you when you've come to a role like what you sing in L'Elysile de More? Well, of course, Janna is fantastic, and um, I'm not sure if she sang much Adina. She, she was she, she's known for um, the Lucias that she really could sing. I, I mean, amazing. Some of these clips are on YouTube, and um, she just had such a pure style of singing. And when she when she when she taught me, it's kind of difficult using my voice and hers are very different. So what she taught me, besides just trying to get the the most pure sound, um, is meaning with the words, uh, of which she's an expert, of course. Um, and one thing, of course, is is the sense of squillo resonance resonance that she she's so fantastic at, and this is really great for um, that combined with the breath for these long lines in bel canto repertoire, um, as well as agility. Um, so, I mean, of course, those are all the the uh, traits that bel canto is known for. So she's she's always extremely influential. When I when I need a little help, I always just kind of put on my recordings of her. And uh, again, she's got these these wonderful um, clips on YouTube. Um, but I really I learned a Susanna, not bel canto, but Susanna Nozze di Figaro, um, largely listening to this recording of hers, which is just sheer perfection. She's she's just absolutely incredible. Giuseppe, what were the most valuable things that you came away with from your work with Mr. Krauss? Uh, Krauss, I think everyone knows that he is the the sir of the bel, of bel canto, and uh, so um, in in him is it was uh, really um, the measure of uh, the stylistic stylistic way to sing these operas, and also. Every note has to be in the same and the right points. Point. You you can make no mistake with them because of, ah that note ah this he was perfect. And now you can um, you can listen. Um, I can say uh, is the the most perfect. Sometimes too much perfect <laughs> singer in 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 uh, in this repertoire. Um, we have an interesting question. Um, hard to answer, I think. When things really click and it seems almost like there's 
telepathic communication between the two of you. How is that achieved? Mm. <laughs> That's <Okay>. like... <laughs> well, we've been here for um, three weeks, yeah. almost three weeks, and Giuseppe's just wonderful to work with. Um, he's somebody that... Um, the moment he's on stage, you can't help but go right into character because he is so infectious. His, really, really, you're going to love him. It, it's, I paid. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, that's the thing. And just having that energy to feed off of, if you can sort of feed off of some of that energy, which I try to do, then I think that creates um, a bit of a similar camaraderie yeah. off stage as well so um. it's it's important no, i think every time when i try to work with uh, a soprano or another colleague to look him or her in the eyes because for me acting is important because it's together with singing and if and she can say, she can see it. I, I change every time because it's not possible to do always the same thing. And she's fantastic because she's like me. And so it's not possible to do with some uh, sopranos. You have to to do the same thing every time because even if they look at you, they say, well, "What are you doing?" <laughs> I thought you were supposed to go there. <laughs> or, or, or maybe they they make this sign. <laughs> oh, that's the word. So, can I change Ooh. with my staging, please? No, it's not possible. <laughs> so, this feeling is important. It's really important because <laughs> it's uh, something when 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 I sing with someone, I want I want not only to sing, but I want to look in your eyes and to uh, when you are singing because it's important to not to say now I'm mm -hmm. I'm singing. Stop. Mm -hmm. Stay alone from me. <laughs> and I sing. It's it's not beautiful. I don't know. So, and uh, today it's 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 easy to to find uh, uh, actors and uh, young uh, uh, singers like me and her. And so this feeling is important to to make a, a good job. Yeah, he he tell, he's he's true about the eye contact. Whenever I feel like I'm singing instead of in completely in the role. Um, I, I just try to look in somebody's eyes or I try to really, really forget about what my next line is and listen to what they're saying intimately. And that just takes you right out of your own head and, and the technique and stuff, which is natural once you've done it for so long. Um, anyway, he also makes me laugh. I think that's, just, that's really important. <laughs> really, I mean, this is, that's what's so great about the character, too. I mean, he, he really has the best interpretation of this but character. But I make her also crying. <laughs> At the end. <laughs> the, the, last, the last question. Um, what do you see as the moral of the story? Life lessons of L'Elysir d'Amore. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> life lessons? I mean, what is a life lesson in, in a romantic comedy? It's, it's <laughs> don't, you know, um, people are the most important thing and, and, you know, don't take for granted your, your true and deep friendships and deep loves. And um, yeah, I guess try to, try to be, never pass up somebody just because, you know, you think that they're not quite up to snuff. Give them, give them, give them a second chance. For me, uh, I can repeat, if in our life we remain a little bit like 
children, we always win because at the end the the simplicity the and the trusting each other is the best and also if people are not really really so uh, um, so in the in the truth like you maybe uh, maybe life will help you like the story of Nemorino and so These two singers have a dress rehearsal tomorrow, so I want to thank them for giving us such a marvelous session. Thank you both so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Backstage at Lyric, the podcast that takes you behind the curtain at Lyric Opera of Chicago. For additional interactive content and to order tickets, visit us online at lyricopera.org. <laughs>